hey there, Star Warriors. Make sure that when you're not listening to us, you're checking out Ridley's Gaming Realm on Facebook. That's Ridley's Gaming Realm. And what's awesome about them is that in their entire time for buying, selling, and trading games, there have been no scams ever reported on their page. So if you're looking for that game that's hard to find, if you're looking to sell off your collection, make sure you're checking out Ridley's Gaming Realm. That's a Facebook group right there on Facebook. You all know how to use it. Ridley's Gaming Realm. This is the uh, Star Warriors podcast, and we are live tonight, and we are here to talk about The Bad Batch Season 1. There's a lot to unpack here, so, you know, sit tight, probably grab a beer, something to eat, and uh, pay attention. Okay, so let's let's go around here. Uh, First, I'm Rocco. Um, I'm from the Critical Mass podcast on Defense Entertainment. And, of course, I'm also a proud part of the Star Warriors podcast. Super excited to be hosting tonight, guys. Thanks a lot for letting me do this. And uh, whoever wants to go up next, introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Jake <laughs> from the Jake. Campfire Chats and Bull and Moose Tavern podcast on DFAT Entertainment. And, of course, the Star Warriors podcast. Hi there, I'm Colin. I am with the Star Warriors podcast, and I have my camera at a weird angle, so all you see is my head floating in a black background. So you're welcome, Internet. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. I'll let Moses gather himself. I'm Ruben Romero. Uh, I write comics, and I'm also on the Star Warriors podcast. And yes, I'm Moses on the Star Warriors podcast, and super excited to be uh, talking Star Wars as always. Awesome. Well, I'm glad to have you guys here. Uh, thanks so much for coming. And um, man, oh man, I love the Bad Batch. I'm just going to say that right off the top. I love this show. I put up my my toy collection behind me. I've got my Black Series Hunter. I've got my Omega Funko Pop, my Hunter Funko Pop, my Tech Funko Pop, and I've got Tech Black Series on his way. And I can't wait to put them on my shelf. Um but obviously, like like I said, I love the show, so I wanted to get you guys together so obviously we can talk about it. Um, so I'm just going to kind of pick at random here, um, and what I'd like to do is I'm going to pose a question, and we'll all go around, and guys, just uh, tell me your thoughts, and we'll go from there. So, Ruben, I'm going to start with you. You were first on tonight. Um, so we'll start with you. We'll go to Moses, then Jake, then Colin. Um, so your thoughts of the Bad Batch versus their first appearance in Clone Wars. Like, for instance, were their characters consistent? Did they do the usual good job of Star Wars? Um, Did you like them better in the first few episodes that they were in in Clone Wars, or did you like the whole series better? Um, What are your thoughts on that, Ruben? Um, I mean, as far as consistency goes, uh, you know, that's Team Filoni. They they, they can do no wrong. I mean, I'm sure if if we dug deep and hard, there would there would be some continuity errors in some somewhere, some fashion. But uh, but overall, no, I thought I thought they looked great. Um, I thought you know the the show overall uh, from beginning to to end was polished. It it it, it did look really really good. Um, I, I I loved it. I mean, I loved them when they first appeared. I didn't necessarily. I wasn't like jumping out of my seat when they announced the TV show. 
you know um i thought they were a cool concept uh i thought it was kind of like in terms of just like D lore like they were just like the perfect little band of, of you know the fellowship so to speak yes. they each they each fulfill a purpose um but uh, this season proved to be more than that. I mean, even though it started a lot like that in terms of like, you know, you do this for me and I'll do that for you. Uh, yeah. There was a lot of uh, quid pro quo in the beginning. Uh, I thought it had a, an amazing pilot episode, uh, you know, Young Kane. And there was there was just so many great things about the pilot. But then as it went on, probably it wasn't until like Battle Scars where it really found its feet, I think, for yeah. me. Um, but but yeah, overall, I, 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 I do love it. I do love it now. Awesome. Awesome. Moses, what are your thoughts? Uh, first appearance versus the show. Um, did it meet expectations? Did you feel there was good consistency? Um, definitely good consistency. Um, like Ruben did say, there probably are a couple loopholes here and there, but they're minor. I think the biggest one was, you know, Kenyon's origin story. Um, but even those, those are minor enough to go back to the exact, you know, important Star Wars phrase. It's always from a certain point of view. You know what I mean? So from his point of view, it was like that. Maybe some differences that were left out when the story was being told. So nothing that, you know, bothers me because I could get really OCD about that, but uh, nothing huge. Um, I do remember when they were introduced in, you know, in Clone Wars at that last season, that felt a little off there. Not that I didn't love those episodes. They were great, but it was just like, okay, who are these, you know, that we don't know anything about him. It was kind of great to see Echo come back in, and that was yeah. the importance to me. Um, but, you know, I've never been into, like, the whole um, – it, it was just, like, its own group that just felt like, why weren't these these characters mentioned before? And, you know, obviously they were introduced at that point because Filoni already had this show planned. I mean, there's no yeah. question about that. And so then, you know, I just thought, okay, Echo was the cool part of his return. And so when I went into this show, I was kind of, all right, like, okay, it's Filoni. I know I'm going to like it. Let me just enjoy this. But I loved it through and through. And to me, it holds a very, very, very important aspect of Star Wars is, while I'm sure we all agree the Jedi and the Sith are the heart of Star Wars and the majority of their stories, that a story can still be well told, still be exciting, still be lovable when it has nothing to do with Jedi and Sith, when it has to do with the world itself. Um, and it just opens up the possibilities of you can tell any story. It doesn't always have to be about Jedi and Sith. And yeah, by the by the end of the season, I just loved all the characters. It was some of the best well-written character development I had seen. Like I just, you know, yeah, it, it was it was good. It was <laughs> I, I really liked all the characters, how they interacted, how they they built their relationships. And, uh, you know, how it concluded. And we'll get into it in, in the follow-up questions. But there, were, there was a lot of good moments, a lot of good visual moments. And, yeah. Yeah, I, I really like how granular they got at times. Like, everything from IDs, like how IDs were going to change over and the money change over. And really just kind of giving you these little pieces of that transition from Republic to Empire. Wild, yeah. wild stuff. Jake. Oh, good. No, I was going to say it was really weird because, like, literally on the first episode, I was like, I wonder if we'll get to see this change over there. And in a way, this story was to, to talk about that, the change. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Jake? Well, I think anyone who listens to Star Warriors knows how I feel 
or felt about the Call of Duty commandos oh, that God. is the Bad Batch. <laughs> Who invited you? Here we go. Um, with that said, within the first few episodes, I really fell in love with a lot of these characters. And then we hit the Snake Road filler part of the season, where like six <laughs> or seven that. episodes could have been completely cut or condensed into two episodes so overall like the first four episodes and last two were a great season with some heavy filler in there to give us characters we've seen before yay oh jake <laughs> I, I mean that's fair you i mean you're entitled to have wrong opinions that's okay you're allowed to have them no no but seriously no i get what you're saying and i do get annoyed with some of those very obviously filler episodes that it is it does get frustrating absolutely colin what are your thoughts they're fetch quests that's what they are that is all that those episodes are they are fetch quests for your D fans and your rpg players you know that's what it is um, so I loved their introduction in Clone Wars, but with how long they were running, how deep they were talking, you can tell it was a backdoor pilot and it even cemented it more when you saw the pilot episode of the show itself, because their very first introduction needed to be on the back of a story we've already seen, which was, um, Wow, sorry, and here the irony that I forgot his name uh, of uh, the Canaan no, of Canaan's backstory. Sorry. We had to go through Canaan's backstory in order to introduce these guys who have already been introduced to the mythos in the Clone Wars. So that was a little yeah. rough for me. I liked the um, I liked the episode in total, and I liked the show in total. I have like like for most things now I have to see them twice in order to fully appreciate them for what they are mm -hmm. versus what I first see them as. So uh, on second viewing, I definitely like the show a lot more than I did the first four episodes, the, the four episodes of clone wars that they showed up in just because, you know, you definitely get that uh, you get that depth of character obviously, but to Jake's point, the the need to be piggybacking on previous characters so early on into this show indicates to at least me as a viewer that we might be running into a lack of confidence in this, this arc as its own thing rather than trying to bring that extra part of the world into the story that people are already loving. So, you know, you, but we'll touch on that a little bit later. No, absolutely. I, I know what you mean. Um, you know, you bring these tried and true characters on to kind of anchor or cement your viewership. And that can sometimes be worrisome, um, especially with something so fresh and so new. So speaking of that, I'm actually I'm going to combine two of these questions here I have on the uh, on the outline I sent to all of you. And the two questions I'm going to combine are your favorite character and why and your favorite crossover character and why. And I'll go really quick. Um, my favorite character that's new is Tech. I love Tech. Um, I love his deadpanness. I loved just him completely. Like anytime he was going to be on screen or speak, I was either laughing or just enjoying it. And my favorite crossover character, honestly, I really love getting Hera's backstory. 
I really loved seeing seeing Hera and those episodes she was in. I thought that that was awesome. So this time we're going to start with Moses, Jake, Colin, and then back up to Ruben, and we'll just keep going that way. So Moses, we'll go ahead and start. Um, I mean, I loved Omega. Uh, she kind of like tied the team together and gave the key team character. I think. Um, but you know, it was weird. I, I've never been a fan of you know the whole D and D. Each person has their own specific thing, but the chemistry was was well written. I think, and it just played out. I mean, um. Shit, I am having a brain freeze right now, but who was the big guy? Wrecker. Wrecker. Like, I was laughing nonstop. And, I, you know, I, I watched this with my significant other, Sonia, and she doesn't watch cartoons, and she's gotten into Star Wars with me, which is awesome. But the fact that she wanted to watch this and to hear her laugh at him, like, making his jokes and doing his thing was just like, it's capturing audience. It's doing what it needs to do. Mm. but I just, I love the balance. It, like it was, I was surprised, but how well it was balanced between all of them. Mm-hmm. I love that, you know, your main antagonist is one of them. You know, I love that it was resulted to order 66. I just, it, I, I was surprised, you know, I went into it not thinking I was going to like it that much. And one thing that I appreciate with this show and I appreciated it with, you know, it's, it's the reason I prefer rebels over clone wars is none of these characters are in the, in the latter stories. So whether they disappear somewhere along the way or they sacrifice themselves somewhere along the way, that, that risk exists. And by the time we got to the season finale, I was worried. I loved them all, and I was worried we were going to lose someone. And I honestly believe that somewhere along season two or season three, we're going to lose a, a bunch of them, if not all of them. I mean, this was a Rogue One, you know? Like in Rogue One, when when they started popping off the characters, I realized, shit, no one's going to survive this. Yeah. And so, and I, I started feeling that about this, you know what I mean? Because it's just like, and, and, and that to me somehow created a, a more, a, you know, a greater love for each of the characters. Like I'm worried. I'm, I'm honestly worried. I do think that, you know, some of them will survive and, we might even see them in some of the live actions, and I'm sure we'll discuss that in one of the questions. But, oh yeah, yeah. No, I, I did. I, I can't really say I had a favorite. They they were just so well balanced that to eat, you know each of them, uh, you know even Crosshairs just filled in this this little link. And dude, I hated Crosshair till the end where he was just like, yeah. "You guys left me," and I was like, "Damn, that that, yeah. that hurts," you know. That hurts. So no, definitely. What about what about a crossover character though? Like, what would you say was the best crossover from a? Oh, I mean, hundred percent. Like Rex. Like, I mean, he's right on. Just, right on. He, I mean, I, I, you know, when he meets Ahsoka, in in in, in freaking um, Rebels, like, yeah, it's just I I love that he's almost become the link between all of them. Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Before we uh, go to Jake, we have uh, Casey here. His new favorite character is the one that looks like Boba Fett. Hardy, har, har, har. Oh, so Omega. And then, <laughs> well, they all, and then uh, Walk from Insensitive Culture loved Wrecker, and he's definitely the Michelangelo to his Ninja Turtles. Yes, yeah. Yes, yes. Yes. 
A hundred percent and absolutely a hundred percent. Jake, what about um, you? Favorite new and favorite crossover? Wrecker. Hundred percent Wrecker. Um, everything about him from first of all, he's the character class I play in D and D the dumb guy who goes in and destroys stuff to the <laughs> fact that he's a huge softy with a stuffed animal. Who's probably the most destructive character in the entire group. I felt super emotional once his head injury started and I'm like, Oh, he's going to start good soldiers, follow orders and kill one of his teammates. This is going to be so hard to watch. That episode was so emotional when they got their chips removed. So yeah. 100% Wrecker. Favorite crossover character? Cut. Because ah. talk about bringing a character back from left field, kind yeah, of a side story, and then adding emotion to the real world. A guy mm. whose family is at risk because of who he is, who needs to escape if he's going to let his family live. Such yeah. an emotional story that episode. Yeah, dude, I, I wow, that's a that's a that's a deep cut right there. Uh, cut is ooh. a deep cut. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> um, definitely. Thanks, Jay. Colin, what about you? Uh, I'm going to go a little rogue on this one here and uh, lean into my voiceover fandom and say that d bradley baker was my favorite character of this whole thing <laughs> uh for those who don't know d bradley baker voiced every single member of the bad batch and rex in this show he was all of the clone troopers every throughout clone. the clone wars it's the fact that he can take the same base voice for these characters, one that's based off of another actor from one of the main movies, and then give them each individual characters and characteristics is an awesome feat and in in incredible acting and voiceover capability. But to Jake's point about that episode with Wrecker, where he does that shift and I'll come back to this one later in the, in the episode here, that shift. I loved that from an acting perspective because it was still that character. You could still hear it. And it's such an easy thing to come back from it and just be like, I'm just another one of the, the, the clones here. No, no, he, he made it still wrecker being that big burly. I'm going to destroy everything, but still precise and deadly thing. It's just, it was so awesome, and I love that. And I know it's not a character per se, but the the fact that you have a single human being doing all these voices and carrying the show literally on his back at this point—that is just just bravo to the man. I'm gonna Ooh. say I was I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot. I did not know it was the same guy doing all the voices, and extra respect for that. I mean, because like the, that's the fact. I didn't know it was the same guy doing all the voices. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, holy crap, man! That's awesome. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. So, would you say that that's both your new favorite character as well as your favorite crossover? Because technically, that answers both. It, it could it could be a safe choice, but I'm actually going to say that uh, um, the Grand Moff himself was my ah, favorite crossover because surprise, surprise, <laughs> because he he is you know it's again an established character that is voiced by someone else, but the the idea of bringing in someone who brings in the old what we knew from the original the og trilogy 
and even a tad bit from the Clone Wars to kind of bring it all together. How do we merge Clone Wars and the OG into this world? And he was that great little initial bridge there because he wasn't the main guy running it in the whole time. He handed it off to some noob, you know, guy yeah. who was going to change everything, get the chain codes, change over the credits, etc. But he was just that perfect little nudge in the right direction. And I loved having that there. It was yeah. just such a subtle choice. Yes, for Operation War Mantle, which was first brought up in Rogue One, which I thought was also very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but Ruben, please regale us. Your favorite <laughs> character, new character, and your favorite crossover character. Um, well, I mean, we you know, we can all be on the record train. Um I we you know what I I, I do love Wrecker uh, a lot, actually. What I love about him too is a lot of uh, a lot of the other clones dialogue is very precise you know like hunter doesn't mince words he's he actually looks like he 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 chooses his word count very carefully uh and you've got tech who's who's very deadpan you know so on and so forth but wrecker what i love about him is that he's almost got like all the mannerisms and aneurysm, all the mannerisms that all the other characters don't have and he's got them so like when he goes to talk he's like narf you know what i'm saying like he's like he's <laughs> there's like a lot of thoughts in there you know but he's got to get out one like sounding like one one noise one word before he actually gets his whole thought out um so i do love wrecker for that um which again is Something that you don't, you know, there is comedy in Star Wars, but there's not that kind of comedy. And like, mm-hmm. he's definitely, you know, he's in his own bubble, um, you know, kind of there's there's a few others that that, you know, throughout Rebels and, and Clone Wars that 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 kind of fit that bill. But the record is definitely that for the show. But no, I would say, you know, uh, my favorite my favorite new character, uh, as cliche as it might sound, is Omega. Um because again, for me, Star Wars, like what George Lucas told us, you know, grown ass adults here, George Lucas is for the kids, right? Like it's not, it's not for us. We just so happen to like it, right? So what I love about Omega is that that character in itself, uh, if you sit down a a child who is new to Star Wars or 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 has seen Star Wars to some capacity, uh, they are immediately going to identify with Omega. Because Omega comes into the show bright-eyed and like, you know, just in awe of everything that is going on around her. Um, just like us, the viewer, who are like, oh, what? We're, we're, we're back on Camino. We're, we're, we're in the cloning facility. Like, what's going on? Like, And then we're given this little girl who we, uh, you know, automatically are like, okay, so is this a clone? Where is this clone? Why is she a clone? And then on top of everything else, all we've ever seen are clone males. So now to have a clone female um, and who is so vastly, you know, in age difference uh, to our clones. Uh, again, how does she how is she going to hold her own? So I love that whole. And then I also love the effect that she had on my second favorite character, which is Hunter. Um, and uh, and like how she makes Hunter grow. But we'll, we'll get into that, I'm sure. Uh, and then favorite crossover or legacy character. Uh, I mean, there's no mystery here, man. I'm fucking. Oh, oops, sorry, Facebook. Uh, I was I was wilding out when Cad Bane <laughs> stepped on screen. Yes, okay. um, yes. Cad, Cad Bane is my guy. Uh, it's probably my favorite bounty hunter uh, in the whole Star Wars universe. Uh, he's just cool, and uh, it was good to he- have have him back. Um, and I love that whole fight sequence between him and Fennec. Uh, but it it just kept. 
it kept bothering me because like you could tell like they're like you're gonna get a lot of fennec later so we're trying to make you like fennec you know what i'm saying yeah and i i just kind of felt like she'd never get the drop on cad like that but you know maybe it's just cad's lost a step you know he is he is getting older um but but yeah man uh, <laughs> i i just i love that that's why i was like like i, ha I i'm conflicted about what you guys were saying earlier about how like this this particular show or this particular story kind of has to hinge on some of these backstories or characters that we've known before. And I think that that just shows like the brilliance of Filoni of like how he can kind of intertwine all of these things, because I think him and Favreau know something that I think either JJ was either too naive or too arrogant to understand, which is that we matter. Right. Yeah. And, and like us fans really matter. And like, when you hear John talk about star Wars, like when you listen to like, that Disney plus stuff, like uh, the behind the scenes stuff, when he talks about the fans, there's just like this level of respect that you could tell he really has. It's, he's not placating. He's not like patting our little bums and being like, oh, you guys matter. No, he really means it. And I think Filoni, same thing. So a lot of this stuff just goes to show like how much they care and how much they hear us talk like on the message boards, on social media. Cause I myself in the last few years have taken back and been like, I want more Cad Bane. And, it, you know, and essentially it's it's something that leads back. I'm not saying that my tweets made it happen, maybe, but it's just one of those <laughs> things where it, right, only my so tweet. So you're the one. I am the one. Thank you. You're welcome, Internet and Star Wars fans everywhere. <laughs> but, yeah, so, Cad Bane, Omega. Ruben, All right. you're saying that uh, Dave and John have watched more than the original Star Wars movie? Because that's all J.J. watched before making star wars <laughs> oh god listen that wasn't an open invitation to bash my boy jj okay <laughs> i love i i admire and i love jj i just think that i think that th there's there's something that I, I don't think any of us ever really understand uh, and that is uh something it's something that 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 is the full weight of having to do something like star wars oh I right it. yeah like I, and and I think that for everything, and I, and, I, and I look at it now like 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 with everything, right? Like I used to be very very critical of like ju just media in general, uh, but as the more I was creating and the more that I was writing, and and I think that this goes for all creatives. I think that we get to a level where we're just like, let me not talk any bullcrap because it's just hard. Period. So imagine yeah. being in a room, you know with Lawrence Kasdan and having to like strike that magic. Yeah. You could do anything you want, but at the same time you can't, right. Because we don't know the, you know, the, the box that they were working within. So it's just one of those things where it's just like, yeah. I think about it all the time. Like now watching the Mandalorian, watching clone wars, the last season, watching uh, the bad batch. I think about all the missed opportunities this new trilogy had, but Again, we just don't know the full weight of what that means, dude. And like, hopefully one day we will. Hopefully one day we will all, because I know all of us all venture in different avenues and want to do different things. Hopefully one day we get to a point where we are working with something so established where we're like, damn, I feel bad for JJ. Sorry, JJ. You know what I'm saying? My bad. Yeah. You know? But yeah, he had a lot of bonuses to what he did. And I think he brought back a certain quality, in, especially in the production value to Star Wars that was like, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, we've all said it amongst each other. It's like those movies are great on their own. As a trilogy, they had issues. But, yeah, I mean, obviously, this isn't the show we're going to discuss that. Right, right, right. <laughs> well, I think what the concern is, and I think where, where Filoni is great, is you're not adding a story into this world. You have to tie it into this world. 
Yes. And so that, and you have to take all the elements that already pre-exist. And Filoni's mind with the Clone Wars has tied in these two trilogy, you know, the, the prequels and the originals, that he obviously has the biggest grasp on everything. And I mean, he's clearly the protege of Lucas. You yes. know, and um, I mean, yeah, no, I'm glad that, you know, Disney gave him the position that he has. And I have more hope in everything Star Wars now because he's kind of behind it all. He's Absolutely. the fixer. He came in and made yeah. the prequel trilogies better through the Clone Wars. And he's going to make the sequels make sense through the exactly. Mandalorian, the Bad yeah. Batch, and whatever they give yeah. him. 100%. You're going to make it all make sense. He's like, here, let me, let me add a little. Let's not, he, he knows guys, the pieces. Let's not step too far out. All right. We will have, a, <laughs> we should have a whole Filoni podcast. We absolutely could. But let's get back to Bad Batch and someone that we've all brought up now. And I think let's skip ahead and just start talking about her, the glue who held the show together. It was Omega. And, um, I think Ruben to your point before was, you know, with Omega being on the show and being a little girl like that drew my daughter in and that allowed my daughter and I to really share this show. She fell in love with Omega like, and that allowed us to share that. I think that's, what's the most important thing about star Wars is just like family and like what it establishes there. But in terms of Omega, um, I adored her. Um, I had no guess that she's quote unquote Boba Fett's sister but it makes sense. They're the only two unaltered clones. Um, did you like her? Did you hate her? Did you guess that she, did you like, did anyone guess that she was Boba Fett's sister in essence? And book of Boba Fett starts this December. We already know Fennec has spent a lot of time with Omega. And we know that Fennec is going to be on the right side of Boba Fett in book of Boba Fett. So are we going to see an adult live action Omega in the book of Boba Fett? And, and do you know, what do you think about all of that? We're going to start with Jake and we'll go Colin. Wait, do we, who do we start with before? You're in the right order. Okay. All right. Got it. All right. So Jake, go ahead. Um, First episode, I was really annoyed by Omega and I was like, oh man, this is going to be like five men and a baby the show like it's gonna (laughs) she's gonna be so annoying this entire series and she grew on me and she grew on me fast she's probably my second favorite character to wrecker um did i foresee her being a alpha variant clone of um jingo no i truly thought she was gonna be maybe a cross bred first generation force sensitive clone. I thought this was going to get us into uh Grogu force sensitive clones, pelps, all that stuff. Am I disappointed? She's a Jango clone being honest a tiny little bit. Um, I thought they were going to go a layer deeper with it, but I loved the reveal that she was older than the entire Bad Batch yeah, and actually saw them created. And that's why she knows so much. And I hope she makes a live action appearance in Book of Boba Fett and that she's still alive out there somewhere. In full Mandalorian armor. I just, just let that me see would it. be really cool. It would be really cool if we find out she's working with the uh, what are they called? The watch now. Um, Death Watch? Bo Bo Katans. 
No, Bo-Katan's oh. Oh, oh, yeah, no. org of the Mandalorians. What are they? The Night Owls? The Night Owls. That's yeah. what they are. That's all great thoughts, Jake. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Colin? Yeah, I, w- I would agree. Uh, at first, I, I saw this kid pop up, and I I hate to admit I did that same sigh of, oh, here we go. And it's just like they're going to they're going to shoehorn the the cutesy, you know, like child aspect of this. This is going to be what is the comedy relief of it. They have to pick up after her. And it showed a little bit during that episode when they introduced Fennec um, where she's like, oh, I see the puppies. I'm going to chase the puppies. Oh, no. Now I'm lost in the big city. And this is going to spark the whole scenario here. But. To Jake's point, she grows on you. She really does because she's. There are certain points where she is so intuitive. She's so aware of the the people around her. Maybe not the world, but definitely the people. And maybe that's just her experience from watching the clones around her grow up. That she herself has kind of had to grow up so fast and be more intelligent. She just doesn't know what the, the worlds and the universe outside of Camino is like, which is completely understandable for any person, let alone a child. But the fact that there are some moments where she is just so downright intuitive to, you know, people, the emotions, especially that I could come back to that episode and I will again later. Um, where you know wrecker it she's like pleading for wrecker to you know come back and she's not acting like a little child she's just acting like a person pleading with their friend to get out of this state that they're in she's it there's really good opportunity for her and i'll touch on this a little bit later in in one of the later thoughts for her special characteristic as every bad batch clone is supposed to have and uh, I'm hoping to see where that goes personally. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I will say it really, it captured my heart where, when she saw dirt for the first time. Yes. And just what an awesome much, moment. And how much she loves her brothers. And I think that that, that was huge, especially finding out that she's actually their older sister. Ruben, mm-hmm. what are your thoughts? Yeah, no, I mean, like I said, she's, uh, she's definitely my favorite. Um, I, I knew right from right away. Like, uh, I, I like all that, um, you know, just like all the questions and, and, and constantly just being again, in awe of everything that she was, that she was looking at and being able to interact with, with, uh, with Clone Force 99. Like she, you could tell it was like a moment for her. Like at that, at that yeah. point in time, her life was, was, was changing. So, and then as the, the show went on, like I said, the effect that not only that, that, that she has, you know, officially on the whole team, but in particular on Hunter, um, I think, uh, that, that episode where Hunter tries to send her away, um, and, and, and in the end, isn't, isn't able to do it. Uh, it just goes to show like how these clones really were, were bred for a specific thing, but are their own individuals. And Filoni likes to drive that point home with like, 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 you know, like we saw, you know, Colin mentioned cut, um, with, uh, with echo, you, you have these moments Rex, but you, where you get these clones and like, you get to tell these real personal stories, mm-hmm. uh, but they're the same person. Right. And then with, 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 with clone force 99, it's like, yeah, they all look different. So you kind of, you can approach it in different angles, but I think that Omega brings out everybody else's best traits and best qualities, even though they don't want to, even, yeah. even 
as far as crosshair goes. And like the finale is proof of that. Like the things that crosshair, the choices that crosshair makes are because of Omega and the choices that she exuded throughout, through everything leading up to him making those, those choices. Right. So it's like, it could have gone a very different way, but because she acted the way that she did throughout that whole scenario, she saved his life twice. Twice yeah. she saved his life, right? And then, so again, he's he's at the point of no return, right? Like as far as characters go, right? Like, you know, he's not going to go back. So the fact that he stays on that platform after they leave, after everything she's done, but the fact that he let them leave without a fight, the fact that he saved her and the droid. Uh, what is it, A2? Um, yeah, I loved him. Yeah, he's good too. Um, just all of that. All of that goes to show the effects that Omega has on everybody around her. And if that's what you're like alluding to, Colin, that that's like her ability, you know, like if it's almost like a mutant power, like a latent ability to kind of move you to a more positive direction. That is, that would be, that would be interesting. That would be interesting. Um, but yeah, yeah, definitely. Omega, hands down, I did not need any time. I knew I knew right away. I did love at the end when uh, he's after he saved Omega's life, Crosshair said, now we're even. And it was the way he said it was like, you're going to go now, but if I see you again, I, I'm probably going to murder you. And <laughs> it was just like, you know, we're complete. Like, that's it. That was your one time. Now we're good. Um, but Moses, what are your thoughts on Omega and, and the book of Boba Fett and her as a character? I mean, I, I loved her as a character. Uh, you know, Omega to me is a, is a twofold character. And I think she works both in the story and behind the scenes as a, as a writer's tool. Uh, like we've mentioned all of this stuff already uh, or hinted at in our answers. But, you know, knowing that we have these all these timelines of the prequels the original and the sequels once we get into a story the first thing we think of is "Ooh, i wonder if we can see her in the book of bubba or even farther down and so when i see a young character literally the first thing that pops up is all right there is that potential they can still be alive kind of thing um and then it goes back to what Lucas said to Abrams when he was making, you know, the force awakens was just like, don't forget star Wars is also for kids. Um, and so that was important to me because when you look at it, whether it be, you know, Grogu, baby Yoda, whether it be um, Omega in this instance, whether it be a, a, a little slightly older, but Ezra, you know, they have that young character who's introduced into the adventures. And every time they throw that character into whatever story they're, t- you know, Ahsoka was that in, in the Clone Wars. And you throw that character in, it's not just to throw in a kid in there. And it's not just for the kids. It's it's to, to get every audience member to be like, we're going to introduce you to this adventure through a character who hasn't been introduced to these adventures. We're not just going to throw you into the experienced Jedi, the experienced soldier. They're all going to be main characters, of course, and you can identify with all those. But I, I love the way that, that you know, when, when I see those characters, it, it just like, all right, I'm like, I'm going to follow them. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, understand the world the way they see it. So she represented that and and I loved it. Yes. Like Jake said, you know, in, in the legend stories, 
uh, a lot of the the Clone War stories were were you know the you know Palpatine's attempt to to make clone Jedi's. So you know Grogu kind of fills in that scope as Disney tie you know is 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 kind of tying everything into canon. And at first, I thought that was what made her special. It wasn't. I wasn't disappointed per se. At first, I was because I was like, oh, there's going to be no Jedi element to this, no Force element. But as the story went went on and I got more intertwined with these characters, I love the fact that it wasn't. I love the fact that this story can be told without that element. I mean, even Rogue One, which we mentioned before, as awesome as it is, I personally have to say that my favorite moment is Vader walking down that hallway and decimating everybody, right? Yeah. So somehow this entire great movie the best moment is still force related. And so I love that the Bad Batch was able to be such a good show and be like, hey, we didn't even mention, you know, that kind of stuff. It was just alluded at first to, you know, to bring, you know, Order 66 in. And so, you know, I, I love that that she was that character that was, you thought it was that, but it wasn't. And she she was still like, and another thing I loved about The Mandalorian was that, you know, there's all these comic books mostly about how badass the Mandalorians are, right? And we see glimpses of it in, in, in Clone Wars, but it wasn't until the Mandalorian where you're just like, how can they really put up with Jedis? And and then you see how badass they are, how badass Mando is, how mm-hmm. badass freaking the Mandalorians are. And then when Boba Fett comes into play and he's freaking, I'll be just like, oh shit, this guy is like... You know what I mean? And that represents, I'm like, so when you have her as a, you know, a direct clone, you're not just saying, oh, she's related for the sake of related. Yeah, she is like top of the line. She can be one of the deadlier people, not because she's deadly, but just because she's just who she is. She's she's a clone of this. Yeah, her genetics. And so, you know, it, it builds a lot of future. And, you know, like we mentioned before, you know, I... I was never a fan of the Rambo quote unquote character. And she made me love Hunter that, that bond they had between them and with everybody, you know, the scene where she's like, Oh, they're all my brothers. Uh, it just, she was such a good uniting tool, the uniting the family within that show, uniting this, this, the, you know, the, the prequels with, with the originals, you know, you know, the, 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 uh, as a writer's tool, it was just a, perfect character to just put all that stuff together absolutely absolutely i i definitely definitely adored her most definitely um but let's completely switch gears from omega um let's talk about the granular and uh we're gonna start with colin and then uh, ruben moses and jake um so one thing that i really really loved is the transition from republic to empire and that is something personally as a star wars fan i have always wanted to see um one of my very few gripes with this show is i felt like they could go a little deeper but they did they did go pretty deep um you know especially with what was happening on ryloth and and other planets, you know, with with these governors with a lot of pressure on the empire, and then seeing that transition, and then the phasing out of clones to stormtroopers. Again, I thought they could go a little deeper, but they went pretty deep. 
Um, so I just want to know how you think they handled that, um, good, bad, or indifferent. Colin, we'll start with you. I'm going to agree with you. I think that there's a huge opportunity for the show or just just Star Wars in general to tell more of that. You know, what what's the what's the, the I guess you could say, for lack of a better word on my side here, the granular of it all. Where do we go from having a democracy to, you know, a, an empire that is ruled by one person and we take away, strip away these freedoms. We strip away, we literally stop one currency and go into another. They give those small details. And that to me, at least for what we were seeing was enough. It it wasn't essential to the story of these guys as we were going through it, except when we needed to have that plot happen. But it was also written well into the plot to be, oh, this is why we have chain. This is what chain codes are. They're here to track everybody so that we can have, you know, uh, documentation of every single citizen, these trillions of people inside of the the empire. But also we're going to use it as a mechanic to create some tension so that we can help this former character get off the planet with their family. Oh, you need these credits, but you can only use these new imperial uh, credits because the Republic Dectarians are no longer good. You know, that that kind of stuff. I I personally enjoyed it because it was that nice little smart. I like it. But to your point, maybe just a tad bit more in later episodes, maybe a full episode that goes into that in season two or season three, if that happens. Absolutely. I, I can, obviously I completely agree. Ruben. Yeah, no, I think it's a, it's always interesting when, when, you know, they build on top of that. I think me and Jake had, uh, touched on this like early when we first started messing around on Star Warriors, where we talked about like the uh, the political aspect of it, you know, and um, what that does to families and, and so on and so forth that are kind of caught up between the Empire and the loyalty that you have to show to the Empire. Um, and, and we kind of see that um, in Rogue One, uh, you know, through 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 Jin, through the Urso family and things like that. Um, and the novel does a really good job at, at kind of, you know, beefing that up as well. Uh, so, yeah, I think, you know, they do a good they, they, they kind of skim over it a little bit, you know, in terms of, of, of what the Bad Batch gives us. They give us enough, you know, like the, the credits change over uh, the chain code. They're not leaving. You know, you have to register to get off planet, so on and so forth. So all of these things are kind of just showing like the boot of the Empire slowly, you know, kind of pressing down and, and yoking, you know, the galaxy to to kind of like a, a hold, so to speak. So, so yeah, no, I think as always, I, I think George is actually the master of the politics when it, and, and that's, that's ever so, yeah. you know, evident in, in the prequels. He, he loves all that trade talk, uh, you know, all that, you know, all those lines and rules and, you know, geopolitical things. And so I think George is really the one who's heavy handed when it comes to those kinds of things. Filoni, I think is more, you know, the, the the spectacle he loves star wars right he doesn't he doesn't like the politics of it um but but yeah, I, yeah again it's something that builds out the universe and continues to give us a little bit more insight as to what that process was like for everybody in the galaxy when it happened and how it affected them but is there an opportunity to tell a story yeah i think so i think me and jake had it right when we th- thought about a novel i think it's i think it's the best way to do it because you have the most room. I think if you go, you know, you know, political Star Wars cartoon or live action, 
without any action, you know, it, it has to be some something else. It has, there has to be something else to kind of tie it all together. But, but there is, again, it is interesting. It is a very interesting part of that universe. Yeah, that makes sense. Instead of like a, a Downton Abbey, it'd be like a Downton Coruscant. Boring as hell <laughs> right. and only weird people watch it. Um, <laughs> nice. Thank you, Ruben. Uh, Moses, what, do you, what are your thoughts on the, uh, how they handled the, the, the switch off? Uh, I think, like many of us, I, I do wish we had seen more of it. I mean, like I said, from episode, I mean, yeah, this, this is an element we always wanted to see. We always wanted to see that change. Um, I remember reading the book of Soka and it was showing how like even the mention, you know, they were on, I forgot what planet, but even the mention of the word Jedi literally had like a bunch of stupid stormtroopers, like pretty much, uh, you know, killing you on the spot. Like you couldn't, which made it more realistic of how like the Jedi can be like wiped out from quote unquote memory by the time the, the original yeah. takes place. And so, I remember when I read it in Ahsoka, I was like, oh, I want more of this. I want to see that that change from from Republic to Empire. And as I mentioned before, like even from the very first episode, I was like, oh, I wonder if they're going to do that. And then like literally like it was the first or second episode, they start kind of hinting at that. So, yeah, I, I love that they mentioned it. I wish they did more, but I also understand that there's a certain balance that, you know, you don't want to shove it in people's faces because then it's just too obvious. They, they, they did a good job of it being slightly subtle and happening in the background. And, you know, I feel like like season two can hold more of that, more of the changes. I love that by the end, you know, every few episodes they were, you know, first they were doing the currency and then everybody's ID and then or the other way around. And then by the like the last couple episodes, you were actually seeing the the different. Is it me or that was like a, a good mixture of the the, the armor between clones yeah. because it wasn't officially like stormtrooper, but it was a little different than clone trooper. It was like a step between. Yes, they and kept so, slowly throughout. Yeah. They progressed throughout the the whole season. The armor was was transitioning slowly. So yes, you're correct. So yeah, it, it was good to see that. And I can't wait to see more of it, but um, yeah, of course I'd love to see more of it, but I love that it's a, it's a background thing. It's not about the show is not about that, but you can see it happening in the world. Um, so it was, it was really good. I got super excited in those last episodes when you kind of started seeing the non clone troopers. And yeah, I mean, in fact, that was a big part of the last couple episodes. It was just a highlight. So if yeah. anything, that built up to that aspect. Um, but no, yeah, it, it was it was good. I think one of the main things that makes The Bad Batch such a good show was that it takes place in such a key period, and, you know, and we get to see that world changing while they're dealing with all the aftermath of Order sixty six. No, that, ab- absolutely. I, I that is such a tumultuous time period. And it's just funny that we know so little about it. Uh, I mean, we know the big aspects of it, but we don't know those small, fine little details. And but it was—it's such an important period in Star Wars. Yeah, that definitely, absolutely. Jake, your thoughts? Uh, Star Wars and politics have always gone one in one, but absolutely. the books have always done a better job of exploring that, and because they can take more danger. With that said. I think this show had the right amount of lore building. You guys all mentioned the chain codes, the change to credits, but none of you mentioned like Saw Gerrera 
them killing freedom oh, fighters, yeah, crosshairs yeah. killing <laughs> troopers that wouldn't follow orders. Emperor Palpatine showing up and then being like, oh, yeah, like on the hologram, this isn't what we fought for. And I would argue you don't think of those things because there were too many filler episodes (laughs) between the first six episodes, which were amazing. Then we got to the Snake Road territory. Speaking now, of political now, campaigns, now, Jake's on his now, soapbox right now. <laughs> now, now, listener, I want you to know this is very important. We have just come full circle. <laughs> we have. It's we called have, a callback. The show's over. We're all done. We're done now. <laughs> but no, I think no, but- for the show, it had the right amount of lore building in a world that's changing. We need a book placed during this time. Um, we need a we need a, a a homeland version of Star Wars. Ooh. I want okay. House of Cards or, in or Coruscant between Episode Three and Episode Four. Can we get like? Are we gonna get like a young Palpatine looking at the camera and giving us like witty, dark monologues? <laughs> Matt Smith as young Palpatine. Uh, <laughs> Giving witty dialogues. Oh my god! If you're listening, and instead of film, <laughs> and instead of uh, the first episode, him choking a dog out right in the beginning of it, he's oh, like, really he's, like he's like choking a bantha. He's like the the beginning of the of the episode. Force he's choking like, a raincore. Yeah, there you go. I <laughs> hate useless things. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh more power. <laughs> I, yes. I don't know. I, I'd like more of a It's Always Sunny in Coruscant. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just, a, just a bunch of losers at a droid that own a cantina and the lower levels of Coruscant and their stupidity. I would tune in for that. I mean, I know it's <laughs> Legends now and it takes place later, but I just read um, Shadows of the Empire and talk about politic lore building yes. in Coruscant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jeez, that's that entire book. I loved that book. I loved it, loved it, loved it. But let's let's continue on, guys. I have two more questions for you. Thank you for hanging in with me. But, hey, you love talking about Star Wars, so you're welcome. Um, <laughs> let's get into our, our last two questions. We're going to start back on top. Ruben, uh, Moses, Jake, and then Colin. Um, so this is a very... There's a there's a lot of uh, what's the word? Uh, this this is a very sacred question to this group, and I know that for certain. Um, there is Clone Wars and there is Rebels, and now we have Bad Batch. Where does Bad Batch line up in your favorites? Now, coming from me, all of you know Clone Wars is my jam. I love Ahsoka. That that girl's like my daughter. That is how I look at her, and I I love her, and I love the Clone Wars. I'm only gonna put Bad Batch above Rebels because it's just a continuation of Clone Wars. That's the only reason. I loved Rebels. I loved it. I mean, I just I'm a Clone Wars guy, and that's the only reason why I'd put Bad Batch there. Um, if it was something different, I'd probably put Rebels in front of it. Um, but those are my thoughts. Ruben, we'll start with you. Where does it where does it line up in those these three animated film or uh, shows? Um, I think they all, you know, they all have their own merit, right? Um, Clone Wars made made the original trilogy better. Bad Batch continues that story and continues to grow that world. Um, and Rebels gets us a little bit closer to, you know, what's all 
part of our hearts, the reason why we're all here is is Star Wars, right? So it mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. it's like almost those few steps before the uh, the, the other tri- the next trilogy, right? So, um, but for me, I mean, Rebels Rebels holds a special place in my heart, man. Like I've like I don't think a cartoon has moved me like that since like the Land Before Time. Right. So, uh, um, so, uh, and my middle, my son's middle name is, is, is Ezra, uh, because of that show. Um, so I love, I love, love, love rebels. Uh, and then it's clone wars and then it's bad batch. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, but, but again, they all, they all kind of can occupy the same space because there's no real drop off. Yeah. in storytelling. Um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, as much as, as, as much as, uh, as much as Jake can, continues to to gripe about filler episodes it's it's <laughs> part of it's part of western uh serialized cartoons you know what i'm saying it's part of every cartoon series i mean how many filler episodes did dragon ball z have um but uh it's just one of those things where you know we and, and again feloni tries to do the give us the best that he's got even though if casey was here i'm sure he'd argue against puffer pigs but regardless <laughs> um you know <laughs> All Star Wars is good Star Wars. So to me, I think they all, you all occupy the space, same space. But if if like you were sending me on a, a like you know like a cabin in the woods where like you only get to take a minimal amount of entertainment and there's only like so much Star Wars stuff you could take, and we had like the seasons lined up, I would probably you know just rock with Rebels. Right on. That, that's Ruben. fair, and I think oh, yeah. Go ahead. DBZ and Snake Road again. You you caught it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh my god um, <laughs> i feel like i feel like it is a going kind of thing where like clone or i'm sorry bad batch is really gonna get tagged on the clone wars any way you look at it I, and i think it just makes sense but moses what are your thoughts on all three now animated shows it was two now there's three I mean, you know, technically there's four if you want to include uh, the resistance. Um, I don't want to, though. See, right, so <laughs> I'm going to be a little biased here only because I have, I, I just enjoy all Star Wars. I had this one, you know, I went through a phase of just going through all the Batman comics and I started to learn that, you know, there's different writers, there's different artists and you'll mm-hmm. get different flavors. You know, we can love the, the cheesy TV show as much as we can love the badass Dark Knight comic books, you know. It's true. So I've learned to look at Star Wars like that, and even like the original, you know, holiday special. I enjoy watching it for as cheesy as it is because it's Star Wars, and I actually enjoy the Resistance. But yes, from these, I'm gonna have to go and uh, follow up on Ruben and say Rebels is my favorite. Uh, it has, I mean, not only is it my favorite from the animated, it's probably some of my favorite of all Star Wars. It. Kanan is my all-time favorite Jedi. Kanan's scene, and I won't do any spoilers, is my all-time favorite scene. I mean, you know, if you go to iTunes, it tells you how many times you've listened to a song. I literally, every now and then, I'm just feeling moody, and I put that scene on because I just need to watch it. Um, The second follow-up scene is the Ahsoka scene in Rebels. We all know the scene I'm talking about. Yeah, oh, yeah. So the fact that Rebels holds all these key scenes that are my top favorite scenes and, you know, back to what I said before, Rebels characters have ha- had a more risk to their characters. You didn't know what was going to happen to them. Something I never got from Clone Wars because we know where everybody ends up. Um, I'm also going to say that I split Rebel uh, Clone Wars into two. I-, I think the first three seasons are their own thing. They're very random. They're very... Mm-hmm. 
battle oriented and yeah it's like you know how every episode begins with almost like the newscaster this is happening in the universe yeah, yeah. the first three seasons were more like that and the, the the second three seasons despite still being built into stories it wasn't single episode stories it was four or five episode stories yeah. and they, they started tying down to what was going on so to me the first you know few the first half of clone wars and the second half of clone wars are entirely different shows um, so after Rebels, while I think that the second half of Clone Wars is the best, is, is good, I think Bad Batch is better than the first half of Clone Wars because it has that thing. You don't you don't know where these characters are going to end. It is yeah. one overlying story versus random episodes of random stories. And I like that. I like the, the, the idea of tuning in to see what's continue, you know, not to see a random episodic thing, but to see this ongoing story. Um, and so, yeah, Bad Batch is, I think, somewhere in the middle. It's, it's, it's not as good as those final episodes of Clone Wars, but it's definitely better than the first half of Clone Wars. Right on. Um, right yeah, on. Rebels, Rebels to me is, is on the top, top of all Star Wars. I mean, that, that, you know, if any of our listeners haven't seen Rebels, freaking go watch it right now. <laughs> oh yeah. You should be watching Rebels. That's a prerequisite to watching this show. No, no, wait, please stay and watch us. Anyway. Um, <laughs> I would have to say the last four episodes of Clone Wars is some of the best Star Wars I've ever seen in my life, especially having Ray Park reprise his role as yes. Darth Maul. Um, just, yeah, just amazing. Fantastic. But Jake, on to you, my friend. Same question, obviously. First off, Moses, you're on to something. And Dave, I know you're listening. You love our podcast. <laughs> you need to do an anthology cartoon taking place right after the fall of the Republic that shows us the crumbles. That is that randomness from the first three seasons of clone wars where sometimes we don't even know the characters and what will happen with them. So we can truly see that fall we've mentioned. Ooh. So stamp it, sell it. Our boy is going to be starting to work for Disney. Please give us rise of the empire, a, cartoon that is anthology so my list top of the list the mandalore arc of season seven rebels clone wars bad batch the rest of season seven Wow. You're, you're, so you're saying the Bad Batch of season seven is like at the bottom. Is below the Bad I Batch. I agree. agree. That, that Bad Batch wasn't even close to as good as the, yeah. Nice. And then the, as much as I loved having more Ahsoka, the Ahsoka being a burglar with <laughs> the two uh, girls. And was, they came back. And they hey, did. Gave them, the Bad Batch gave them so much more. That yeah, they right, out yeah. of them in Clone Wars. As I, mean, I said, the rest of season seven is below the Bad Batch. To, to be clear, full, you know the season seven Bad Batch and Ahsoka episodes outside of the Mandalore portions are nothing more than a prologue to Bad Batch. Yeah, that's so it's it's weird. Like those episodes should be like Bad Batch episodes. They're almost they're almost all multiple backdoor pilots, you know. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of yes, like, in terms of what they were trying to do for you know for the show and setting up the show, they were trying to give it legs, so that the minute that we went into it, yes, they give us that whole Kanan kind of introduction. But 
the what came before it was so much more was 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 the intentions were that were to spoon feed us that that kind of storytelling and the way that how they were going to do it with bad batch so i think you know in a lot of ways it was smart yes it's filler but at the end of the day it's it, they're planning for the future and i think yeah. a lot of that uh, and now they're they're getting bold man i mean like you know they're they're giving us live action characters and turning around and put giving up giving us more in of those characters in an animated form so yeah. like where where are they blurring the line we don't know just yet because again, like one thing that I wanted to touch on before we wrap this whole thing up was the fact that everybody went into the Bad Batch thinking that we were going to end with this guy, right? Because yeah. it was almost, it was the feeling that we got from the Mandalorian and the Bad Batch being introduced was that these these stories were going to tie in, you know, uh, tie up in a very specific way. And we might just still get there, but we thought it was coming very soon. And when this, when it ended in, in, in Camino, I was like, oh, here it comes, here it comes. Like they're gonna, they're gonna go into like some room and he's gonna be floating in some tube and they're gonna take <laughs> him out, you know? And, and he wasn't there. So again, we're, it, it's, it's eventually gonna come, but it, it's just one of those things where Filoni is going to take his time because they can, you know, the, oh, yeah. it's, it's all, it's all merch and money. Right. So, and it's, and it's gonna have its its good amount of filler episodes to where we have to kind of wait to see the full picture. But all in all, I think it's all gonna tie together. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I think they're gonna play the long game on this. And then we need we're gonna get to Colin um, for how it's stacked up there. But I will say that the last four episodes of the Siege of Mandalore for Clone Wars that was all for the show The Mandalorian. I think we're definitely gonna be seeing something regarding that in The Mandalorian. But anyway, um, Colin. How did this stack up for you with the animated features? It's it's a hard question because if you're going to ask me if I'm just looking at each of these as a whole, it, it I can't necessarily do it. I, I do it with huge gripes. I would have to say Clone Wars, then Rebels, then Bad Batch. But they all have incredibly great shining moments that make them stand out from the other at different points. I mean, you, how many times have we said it in the last 15 minutes that those last four episodes, I mean, you know, beyond the backdoor pilots that were the first eight episodes of the the final season of Clone Wars, it literally starts with the a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away when those four episodes start. So that's yeah. clearly where we're trying to pick up the Clone Wars story, not these previous ones that introduced side characters that were supposed to be another storyline. But I digress. But I mean, I had my issues with Clone Wars at first. It was just not for me at first. I had to barrel through it in order to get to the stuff, the meat potatoes that I loved. Rebels, same kind of idea. I had to barrel through the first season in order to get to what I loved on that. And with Bad Batch, we had to get through the Snake Mountain or Snake Road, or as Jake's calling it, um, <laughs> in order to get to the things that I really loved there. So it's it's a hard ask for me to make that case, but I make it with huge caveats. Again, Clone Wars, Rebels, Bad Batch. Absolutely. I, I think that that is, that is absolutely fair and makes sense. Um, guys, the last question I have for you tonight, um, which I think is the most obvious. Now, I know, again, we've, we've said this already. We're going to say it again. I'm going to thank you, Dave Filoni, for listening. 
um, you're going to want to listen here. It's very important. So we're going to start with Moses, Jake, Colin, and Ruben to close us out on this question. Last question. What do you want to see in season two of the bad batch? And Moses, we'll start with you. Um, I'd like to see more of the same. I'd like to see a little more of the progression of the world, the empire kind of taking over. Um, it would be cool to tie in some Jedi related stuff, but I don't think it's necessary anymore. And in fact, while I won't be disappointed if I saw it, I hope they don't. I hope this kind of stays its own story that doesn't revolve with that. Maybe it, it revolves in a round where like it's happening in the background, but it's not a focus point. So I think that would be good. Um, I'd love to see, I hate to say it, but I love to see some deaths because I think those are important impactful moments. And again, we don't know where these characters are in the future. Um, side note that I was thinking about while we were talking before, does anybody remember which are the clone troopers are with Rex in rebels? It's not mm. any of them, right? Or I mean, it's, it's still like Breaker, isn't it? Was it? So, I mean, what I, like, regardless, it, it's just making me think of, like, where these characters might end up. Um, I, I think it would be cool if, you know, while we might lose some, um, we see some of them, whether in live action or not. Um, I think it would be cool to see where Omega is kind of grow- what she's growing up to be because that might tie into, I think she's the biggest character, which we might see in live action of the biggest chance. And so it'd be kind of see her take the right direction to where she'll end up being. But I just, you know, I'm in it for the stories. Um, you know, I just want to see impactful moments. Um, I know we didn't mention favorite scenes yet, but as quiet as and as simple as the scenes of the Camino episode were, the way it was sinking, the quietness mm-hmm. and the depth. I mean, it just made me think of Subnautica for those who have played it. Yes. This thing is just sinking into the bottom of the ocean and it's representing this loss. You know what I mean? Yeah. We, which was also big in, into the story because you're like, where is Camino in the original trilogy? Right. And so you're seeing that. Answered. Visually, visually amazing. Like it gives me goosebumps just thinking of how that scene was drawn, you know, like just yeah. and the lights and how, and I, I just want more of that, you know, to uh, a TV or a movie aspect, you know, where you can expand on thoughts when you can expand on, on all this lore when it comes to novels and books and written stuff the visual medium gives you a visual thing. You know, it's why cinematographers are, are so important to a movie or a show. Yeah. Yeah. And those scenes were some of the most beautiful artistically visual scenes I have seen in Star Wars. Just, it is, it was eerie. It was, it was, it was impactful. And I, I want to see more of that. I want to, I want to see those moments in between the story where you're just like, yeah. You know, and so, uh, you know, more of the same. Give me more of the same and I'll be happy. Okay. I mean, yeah, I want that too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Jake. All right. So I want more Omega development. I want a standalone crosshairs episode with him in the empire and seeing some clone racism around him because we're already seeing it in the show. 
I want a Coruscant episode. And then what I really want is to follow Nala say, mm. and all right, we're getting into legends. We're getting into Thrawn Mount Tannis. I want to see Mace Windu in a cloning chamber so that somewhere between episode six and episode seven, Luke has to deal with his Joris Kobath, who is now Mace Windu in canon. <laughs> Just saying. I love you so You're pulling much. in Thrawn <laughs> through Ahsoka. We, we don't really know Luke's story between episode six and seven that well. You can do this with Mace and bring back Samuel L. Jackson and have him trying to refine the Jedi Order in between all of it. Mm-hmm. There you go. Build us that lore, Dave. Can Sebastian Stan as Luke, man. I was just going to oh, yeah. say that. Let me see I, I Sebastian see Stan. Him and what's his name? You know how like Lando mentions like, oh yeah, Luke and I were were, were looking around for Jedi stuff. That is a show. Oh, yeah. him and Stanley Donald God, Glover. Come on, yeah, Donald Glover. Let's do this and bring 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 Mason right there. Absolutely. Oh, and maybe um, uh, Amelia Clark's character running the crime oh, syndicate. Kira. Yeah. Yeah. Comics, yeah. Right? They're, they're, they're kind of yeah. building yeah. the comics. Yeah. Right now. So, I, I would like to see that uh, them dealing with the crime syndicate more since they so, had that one episode and having to deal with her. Mm-hmm. We will see only because she's about to be the front runner for Star Wars comics. Like she's a, she's about to get her own comic line. Yeah. Oh, damn. Um, yeah. Through Star Wars Kira's story. So they may not, they may forego animated because of what this huge comic book campaign they're about to do called Crimson Rain. Crimson Rain will show Kira at the head of Crimson Dawn. Um, that's about all we know right now in the comic book world. Um, but yes, Jake, absolutely. I, I actually agree with every single one of your points. I agree with, with all of you so far. I love all of it. Colin, what are you looking for out of season two? I, I love the idea of more depth of character. Obviously I love the individual one-off characters that get their own little backstory. Everyone has their own mission or something like that. Something that gives a nice little flashback, even uh, like a, a memory within each episode, each character gets about three or four minutes to kind of live in their own anthology story within the story. But two things that I desperately would love to see. The first is because I'm suspicious of this as, as all hell uh, in the first episode, when they get back to Camino after the the first planet mission and, uh, you know, Order 66 happens, there's a fight that breaks out in the cafeteria and everyone gets into the fight. You know, she starts it, Omega, and everyone joins in except for Crosshair. He sits there and he's eating. He's not having any part of it. And it's all kind of chaotic going on around him until someone ruins his food and then he gets in on it, too. And to me, I saw that as sort of like a foreshadowing of what was happening with season one, where, you know, he didn't fight against the Empire and all the other clones and everything that was going on until his dish got screwed up. And he, 
you know, needed to fight because he had no other alternative at this point. And there was something else that happened at the end of that fight. And that was that um, Echo got knocked out and eliminated from the fight. I would actually really like to see Echo be killed off in season two. I think that he is the last remnant of Clone Wars that is no longer needed. He's that last little crutch. We now have Crosshair back in the Bad Batch. And now we have the fifth member as Omega. So we don't need this sixth member that really doesn't have much other than he's the android of the crew. So that would be the one big thing. The only other thing I would like to know is I brought it up earlier that all of the diff, all of the clones have like some weird characteristic. You know, one is strong, one has great senses, one is a huge sharp sharpshoot shooter. Well, sorry, and the other one's got huge intelligence. You know, they all have these big gifts. What's hers? And I think they've hinted at it here and there is that she has this innate ability to pick up talents. You know, she's been mimicking Hunter throughout the show. She picks up the skills very quickly. She picked up the bow very quickly. She picked up how to defuse bombs and how to rearm them very quickly. You know, I think they can go into that and it becomes this innate ability that she has that she can just pick up these talents from others, which could lead into not necessarily force sensitivity, but maybe, um, the ability to fight with Jedi weapons, which would make her kind of even more badass in my mind. I would like them to see, I would like to see them explore that in her character arc. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I challenge that in saying if she is like Boba Fett, an exact clone of Django without any additives or fillers like the other clones, then wouldn't that lend to the fact that she is a straight up badass Mandalorian that can pick yeah. up a weapon and the just baddest of asses. <laughs> well, yeah. She, yeah, that's true. But she, you saw how she struggled with the bow until she, you know, true. finally stopped thinking about it a little bit. Fun, fun that's thing. True. It's like, what, I don't know why I didn't pick up on this until the second viewing, but literally they called him in like one throwaway line, Boba. He was known as the alpha and she's the Omega. I'm like, Oh geez, really? Why didn't I pick up alpha and Omega here? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. In all yeah. honesty, that gets into a really good question about where force sensitivity comes from. If a clone could have force sensitivity, but Nala say could have always just injected her with a ton of metachlorians. We are oh. not going to nope, nope, <laughs> no, nope, stop. and all the nope. We are gonna nope, nope that to nope. <laughs> Everybody just dropped off of this podcast. Yeah, everybody's <laughs> gone. No, lastly, uh, Ruben, round us out, my friend. Um, uh, on your wants or and or needs for season two of the Bad Batch. Um, so kind of just to like go full circle on what like Colin was saying was, um, yeah, season two definitely needs to have its uh, it, you know, some sort of consequence for this team. I feel like everybody kind of like skated by on like the skin of their teeth uh, in that finale. I actually thought we were gonna lose a couple people and then we didn't, and I was like, oh, okay, cool. Um, you're, you're holding, you're holding out on us. And, and Filoni does like to twist the knife. I mean, I didn't think we would lose Kanan and, and we lost Kanan, you know? So, uh, it was one of those things where I think, yes, I think the, the stakes need to go a little bit higher because again, not only, you know, they're not a part of the rebellion. They're not part of the empire. They're, they're, they're kind of, they're wanted on, on different sides. 
Um, so it's it's kind of inevitable that something does uh, happen to them. Um, so I don't know if I need anybody to die, but I do need to, for the stakes to be risen a little bit. Um, another thing that I do want is for us to <clears throat> get a little bit uh, more into, uh, like as far as like maybe a time jump, a little bit of a time jump, get us closer, not exactly to, to Rebels, but close enough to where, like like you like Colin was saying, we we're, we're able to shed the weight of of Echo being the 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 crutch to the Clone Wars, and maybe we can do something with like Zeb or maybe even Hera because she's already been on the show as a as a younger version of herself to where we build a bridge towards Rebels, and like now these three shows kind of coexist as like one show, right? Yes. Just different ver- just different angles, right? Different points of view so to speak so i think that 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 needs to happen so that we can see the progression um i don't know how much i need any of any of these characters live action right because uh, up until this point i don't know how important omega is going to be and what omega can bring to what i think the book of boba fett is going to be about and what the further story of the Mandalorian is going to be. I think that Omega and Clone Force 99, they fit a certain, uh, they're, they're a certain vehicle. We're going to ride that vehicle to a certain point, and then we're going to get off, and there's going to be a larger aspect that we probably weren't even thinking was going to happen, which is somewhere where I think we'll follow along the line, somewhere where Jake was talking about, where that Thrawn trilogy gets to live and exist and breathe as its own creation and a mixture of what Timothy Zahn brought in and what Dave Filoni is doing and what John is doing with Mandalorian and how all of these timelines can kind of finally meet at a nexus point, so to speak, and say, boom, this is what we've been leading you to. And this right here, once it's over, boom, here are the two double sons on Tatooine and there's that young farmer boy that you all love and grew up with, and you know that story. And then finally, we can go from there and go from that to whatever stories they want to lay out to kind of make sense of the tri- the new trilogy and make it, you know, what they've done with with this original trilogy and the prequels. So, so yeah, I, I don't have any wants or needs. I just have, I just think that there's definitely story points as a writer in my mind that you have to hit, and uh, and I think that time is definitely one of those things where we have to kind of move a, move it along so that we can get to certain things that we all want to see as fans. And I think the best way of doing that is by bringing in characters in season two, like Hondo, Zeb, Chopper, you know, seeing those, that the world of Rebels kind of start to grow there as well. I'd love to see Hondo. I'd absolutely love to see Hondo. R- Rocco, I, just because I put this in the chat, I need to throw this out with my crazy theories. Uh, the Bad Batch exploring a Jedi temple and Omega finding the helmet of Mandalore the Great, a.k.a. Revan's helmet, mm-hmm. canonizing Revan even more, adopting the mantle of Mandalore the Great, becoming the Book of Boba Fett villain when we see her as Mandalore the Great. Oh, my Just... gosh. When is, when is season two supposed to come out? It's, I mean, because Boba's coming out first. Yeah, I think it's Boba's not, coming out first. Up to that. It so Boba as a filler. So Bo- Book of Boba Fett is like December. Dece- is this December. Yeah. And then in a year from that is Mandalorian season three. Next December? I thought it was earlier. No, it's next December. Yeah. yeah. They're getting a full year. What about yeah. uh, what season if- two of uh 
Bad Batch. They haven't mid year said when there hasn't it hasn't been said yet. What All if, we know uh, is what if getting it? What if Omega's the armor in the Mandalorian? Ooh, that's good. That fits. See, there, there's little ways to to make it fit, and you know, you were talking about you know how everything interconnects, Ruben. And one of my thoughts, whenever I think of some group traveling space unrelated to the main stories, is I would love. And now we're seeing transition between anime, uh, you know, animation and the and live action. I would love to see Cal and the Fall, Fallen Order group. Bring, oh bring, yeah, bring into the stories, and you know, Bad Batch would be a nice little group to run into them. You know, one thing that story going. One thing I definitely want to mention before we go is I love their use of um, comedians. Um, in The Mandalorian, we had Amy Sedaris, who was just so so wonderful, so lovely. I loved her every minute she was on the screen. I I love seeing Amy Sedaris. And here we had the great mm. Ree Perlman mm. as Sid, the great, the wife of Danny DeVito, one of the funniest women I've ever seen in my life from Cheers. The woman is a legend yes. in comedy, and she was Sid. I saw Ree when Sid was, was you know, puttering around her, her cantina. I saw her in Cheers. Yes. <laughs> That's well, like that, that, that was probably the necessity for the character. We're like, you know, we gotta have we gotta have mm-hmm. that little nod here to those who will remember. Give her a bar to tend. It, it was so perfect. It was absolutely perfect. But uh, hey guys, thanks so much for joining me tonight. I really love the show, and I'm so happy you guys loved it too. I just just thank you for for being on with me. Thank oh you, man, man! Well, thank, thank you so you. much for having. I us. love everybody here. Yeah. We get to talk about all it's this. All love. Stuff. It's awesome. It, Absolutely, absolutely. Well, let's go around. If you guys have stuff to plug, uh, Ruben, we'll start with you. Plug away, my friend. Plug away. Uh, like I mentioned at the top of the show, I write comics. I'm currently co-writing and co-creating a book called Inferi with uh, another Star Warriors and D-Fat legend, Mr. Casey Bowker. We launch Inferi 1 and 2 on September 15th on Kickstarter. Make sure to check that out. Other than that, you can check me out on Twitter at Ruben the Writer, uh, on Instagram at Ruben the Writer. And uh, make sure to listen to DFAT Network. Hell yeah. Moses, you got anything to plug? Nothing other than everything DFAT produces, man. I'm a follower of all your comics. Ruben, thank you again for this. Got it today. I am super uh, excited for that. It's another one that Ruben's writing, The Illusion Illusion Witch. Um, But, yeah, anything you guys do, I'm here to back it up. I love you all. And we love you for it. Jake. Uh, Campfire Chats, Bull and Moose Tavern podcast on DFAT. Dave, I'm available. Uh, I pitched a ton of ideas. Hire me for <laughs> Lucasfilms, man. This is your this is your virtual CV. <laughs> this is Dave are, are, are we on LinkedIn right now? Is that if I knew that we were going to interview with Dave, I would have worn a tie because. <laughs> I would have put a cowboy hat on. Or a cowboy hat. He's not a tie you know guy. Come on. And no. It's guys. a Star Wars tie. Listen, listen, listen. Um, but I did not know we were interviewing. So, you know, Jake, if you get the job, buddy, you know, you know what to do. In all honesty, we should hunt down trying to get uh, Chuck Windig on the uh, pod. Mm. That'd be awesome. That would Don't be awesome. tease me with a good time. I, yeah, I mean, seriously. we should try. 
aftermath. So, yeah, yeah. Colin, what do you got to plug, my friend? Other than the hair follicles that are starting to go in my oh, ancient God. age here, nothing. <laughs> uh, just, you know, as said by Moses, follow these lovely gentlemen here and all the hard work that they're putting into the great content here on DFAT. If you need a sensual voice to take care of all of your voiceover needs, I am always email away to take care of that for you. Boy, that sounded a lot worse out loud than it did in my head. So we're going <laughs> to navigate away from that. Colin, are you working on any shows right now? I know like uh, you're in Western New York. You're, you're always uh, on some show right now, right? Well, for any local people, we've got a note. We've got an upcoming show out here at Blackfriars theater for anyone uh, in uh, uh, late October. We are going to be opening up silent sky. It is a play that uh, follows the, a uh, woman who pretty much changes changed the way we measure the stars, Henrietta Levitt. She is a legitimate historical figure who helped us map out the universe as we know. Without her, we wouldn't have that. So come see this. It's a really awesome play, wonderful, hilarious. And the actresses I work with are just some of the most stellar people you will ever meet, let alone their incredible talent. That's awesome. That's that is, awesome. That is fantastic. All right. Uh, as for me, y'all know I'm Rocco or the Rockness Monster of the Critical Mass podcast. Uh, the show is trash, so you should definitely listen to it. Um, obviously, I'm uh, part of the Star Warriors podcast, as well as our one of our newest shows, Listen Up Casuals, where we break down uh, movies and TV um, from the comic book aspect. Our new, ep- our next episode that's coming up, we are merging with Gutsy Media Podcast with with Bob, and we're going to be uh, doing an episode titled "Why So Serious." And I bet you can guess who we're going to discuss for the entirety of the show. That's next. Aquaman. Yeah, <laughs> nailed it. Nailed A it. Very yes. awkward. Wrong. They're going to be talking about someone from Marvel. <laughs> Yes, Aquaman and Aqualad, actually. Um, But thank you. I love being here with my favorite group of scruffy-looking nerf herders. Um, All of you out there in Star Wars land, bye. 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 Bye.